0: Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We are a family on a journey to become more like Christ, sharing His kingdom by expressing His love. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. It's uh, lovely to see some of you again this morning for the first time this year. So for those who haven't seen yet this year, Happy New Year to you. May God bless you. May 2024 be a year of realized dreams and aspirations in your life. And may those dreams and aspirations be God's for you and for your life. Am I echoing? Am I a little, I'm a little too loud today. I want to thank Mark for uh, his message last week. You know, it's very nerve-wracking giving your pulpit to somebody else. He came, to, you know, especially after I know how Mark drives... The puppet starts to rattle after about 180. <laughs> There's a new squeak here, Mark. It wasn't there before. Uh, Mark did a really great job last week, and uh, you know what really blessed me about the message is two things. Number one, I was blessed by his vulnerability. You know, to stand up here and just to say, "Hey, these are the things I'm struggling with. These are the things God is talking to me about." is is hard to do. But even more, I've been so blessed, and I'm sure you have too, because you've witnessed it. To his response to the prompting of the Lord, not just last week, but over the last few months. Uh, Mark has uh, has really just grown, and so many within our fellowship in prominence and, and in the flow and in their yieldedness to God, and we're seeing the fruit of that, and we're enjoying it together. Amen? Amen. It's. Have you noticed the chairs are slightly different this morning? Some of you are really upset because I'm struggling I'm, I'm, pushing the button of your religious spirit, the seat that you had is no longer where you put it, and that's good, it's good, it's good to get a different perspective, in fact I challenge all of you who are seated on the right this morning to come and sit on the left next week, and all of you who are in the left, in the middle, and you in the middle, you can stand. Because sometimes a different perspective, sometimes just a little shake-up, sometimes something just as simple as a change of the person you're sitting next to, I'm not advocating wives, you go sit with somebody else's wife, a husband, what I am advocating is just that we shift, a small shift, a small change of perspective sometimes does wonders to help us see things in a different way. Because what happens is we tend to get stuck in our ways, don't we? stuck in the motion, stuck in the status quo, doing the same things over and over and over. And we become pretty used to it. We become satisfied in it. This is our lot. This is our experience. This is all we expect, and that's therefore we are never disappointed, and we are also never really blown away because we get what we expect. And we do that. The same applies when we come to church. We know we're going to come. We're going to sit in our seat. We're going to sing a few songs. Somebody, somewhere is going to share a few words with us, and we will do the same thing the next week, and we will do the same thing the next week. And, and, and hopefully, maybe along the way, we'll learn some things. But are we truly meeting with the living God, and is there real heart change that is producing fruit? Mark gave us a fantastic double definition of complacency last week. And I want to start from where he left off and 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 build on that and he said two things number one complacency is a calm satisfaction with our abilities or situation that prevents us from trying harder when we are satisfied with what we got why would we strive for any more now that applies to us financially that applies to us physically if you're satisfied with your level of fitness why would you lift more weight or run any further you're satisfied If you're satisfied with your marriage, why would you go to a course or try and take your wife out on a date and build a better marriage? Why? Because you're satisfied with what you've got. And the truth is, the same applies to us spiritually. Not just in our church experience on a Sunday, but in our relationship with Jesus and the outflow of that relationship and what it looks like. If we're satisfied with our level of fruitfulness... We're satisfied with the fact that, hey, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, and Jesus loves me, then that's it. Then that's it. That's all I get. That's all I get to experience. And tragically, that's all the world around you gets to experience, is your smug satisfaction. The other definition that Mark gave to us for complacency was, overconfident with where you are with God and His provision... And believe that you are no longer responsible for participating in the intentional growth towards God's mission and agenda on earth. Folks, I think if we're honest with ourselves and vulnerable, we can probably identify with these definitions. Wouldn't you say so? We can identify with them. We can identify with the fact that, hey, we've, we, we go through the motions. We're doing the good things. They're not bad things. We're doing the right thing. But is there a thrust and a flow of life, and is there a taking on of a burden of responsibility for the place God has placed me? A responsibility for the souls around me? A responsibility to see the kingdom of God come into effect or, into, or, or, or assert a level of influence in my sphere or realm of influence? I know and I believe with all my heart that there is more that God has in store for you and for me and for our spiritual family. Do you believe that? You don't sound so enthusiastic. Are you sure? Do you believe that? Do you really believe that God has more in store for you? Do you? And more for us. So what's it going to take? Are you happy with where you are or is, is, is this more that God has in store somehow all up to Him to bring to pass in my life? See, that's where we sometimes have this fatalistic mentality where God, God is God and He is in control and He will cause to be what He desires to be. And we kind of remove from ourselves any form of responsibility for our own spiritual growth, our sanctification, and our participation in the call and the mandate that God has given to us. Do you believe for your own life that God has more in store? Greater, greater realms of joy and of freedom and of power and of liberty, of peace, of influence, of fulfillment, of fruitfulness. Of course, you do realize what this means, right? It means change right? Because you know exactly where I'm going with this. This is no surprise. It's where anybody who in this position would be going is to say, okay, if I'm going to keep doing the same thing, expecting a different result, that is in effect the definition of insanity. So if you've dangled the carrot, Michael, okay, I do want more, I realize that something's got to give, right? Now let's just think about this for a moment, Be with me in this moment, because I don't know how many times from this position we've spoken about this kind of thing and go, yes, we know something needs to change. And we leave the place and go, Pastor Michael spoke to us about change, or the Lord has been talking to me about change. Yes, yeah. Hey, did you know God's talking to us about change? That's fantastic. I'll talk to you more about it on Sunday when I see you at the normal time. Did you know that God's been talking to us about change? Yeah, you know when I normally see you, that's when we'll talk about it maybe. And nothing changes. And nothing changes. Except the chairs. Except the chairs. It's a start.
1: It's a catalyst.
0: Point Mark made last week is a poignant one, and let me just highlight it again. It takes concerted and deliberate effort to shift out of complacency. But I want to to paint a little picture for you this morning to help you realize that this is not as difficult as you may feel, and it is not as foreign to you as you may think. It amazes me how much change and effort we are willing to go through to get more. People change their jobs and they work harder just so that they can get more money. That's a lot of work, putting together the CV, sending it out. Unless you've got people like Craig in your life who will do that for you. Going to interviews, learning to work with new people, new locations, all these, just for more money. We are willing to change our insurance companies just to get more for less. There's insurance companies out there who will say to you, if you phone us and we cannot beat or better, your current insurance premium, we will pay you money. And people pick up the phone and they go, hello, I want money or better insurance policies. And I am willing to change who I'm currently insured with, even though they've been faithful to every claim they've ever made or I've ever made, but I'm willing to change so that I can get more. We will fill out endless forms to change banks so that we can get better interest rates. That's PT, people. I don't know about you, I don't enjoy forms. We change supermarkets to get better value and rewards, and we talk about it. Hey, did you know that this is on sale? And Where did you get that? Oh, I've got to try that. I've been shopping faithfully at this supermarket for years, but I'm going to change because have you seen what's going on there? My experience is so much better. They sell coffee, and I can now sip my latte while I browse the aisles. Do you know what I am willing to do for rewards? Let me tell you what I am willing to do. And that's the big word, isn't it? It's rewards. It's the reward scheme. It's this bank offers you these rewards, but you've got to be fully invested in it. Let me tell you some of the things I am willing to do to get rewards. I am willing to wear a device that I have to pay for my money to get to measure my steps so that somebody can give me some points. I am willing to go running at least three times a week and sweat and put my effort in so that I can get points. And if you are faithful in meeting the requirements, you begin to reap the the rewards. Praise God by His grace, my wife and I have been on diamond status. It may not look like it, I know. Don't laugh. it's the truth. But that status gives me something, not some foolish sense of pride, because I know what it takes to work that out every, every, every day. What it gives me is it gives me some rewards. It gives me some financial incentives. Amen? I get money back on certain things, and certain transactions I get less, and I get 30% off travel, and I get so much percent off on healthy food, etc., etc. Amen? Amen? So that's what I am willing to do for a few rewards. I'm on the hamster wheel, folks. (laughs) And I dance to the tune. But now look, I realize that I do this because, as I said, there's rewards. There's things that come back to me. These things are actually good for me. These things are an incentive to get me into the habits that are actually really good, to eat more healthy food to do more exercise, to keep fit, to not sit around like a schlub all day, but get around and walk and put some steps in. Why do I do all of this? Why am I willing to go to such significant personal sacrifice to gain these associated rewards? The simple reason is because I recognize the value in it. There's value in it for me. Now, in these examples, you can clearly see we're all there. We're all in that game. I know there are some people who just don't play that game. They will not play that game. They are not hamsters. But if these are the links that we're willing to go to for material or for physical gain, what about spiritual things? Siobhan, we're going to create an app and we're going to give people points for prayer time. And when you get enough points, we'll talk to Jesus about what he's going to give you. But we'll come back to you on this one. (laughs) Only. Can you imagine? Do we truly appreciate or value the salvation that Jesus has given us? To appreciate something means to have an accurate understanding of its value or its power or its significance. Amen. We'll give that a moment. Who's? Ford. Ford. Figo. Or Figo. Figo. Thank you. All right. Now that everyone knows what you drive, (laughs) we're talking about appreciation. Appreciating the salvation that we have. You see, as part of our salvation, the Bible says God has given to us great and precious promises, wonderful rewards that are all part of this salvation. It's not just that when we die, we get to go to be with Jesus. It's that while we live, we get to live with Jesus and experience His life and His peace and His grace at work and to be fruitful in and for His kingdom so that we may bring Him glory. You see, when we are willing to to appreciate the value of something, we are willing to make the relevant or the associated sacrifices required to obtain that thing. Did you get that? When we appreciate the value of something, we are able to and willing to and desirous to make the sacrifices necessary to attain it. Jesus told a couple of stories about this, a couple of parables right after each other. Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 to 46. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. The incredible thing here is the appreciation of value that leads to an action. When we appreciate the value of our salvation, the value of our relationship with Jesus, the value of the kingdom of God, we are willing to get rid of, to put aside, to do away with, to sell everything else in order to get hold of that one thing. Everything else is not worthy of that one thing. Everything else pales in significance to that one thing. When I see and truly understand the value of that glorious, beautiful, wonderful thing, I become dissatisfied with what I have. That pearl merchant knew pearls, he had many. That other man had enough treasure to buy a field, he had wealth. You have relationships. You have resources. You have gifts. You have a calling. You have an occupation. You have so many things. Each of us do. But when we catch sight of the glory of that wondrous salvation in Jesus Christ, we are willing, like Paul, to say, I count all of these things as rubbish so that I may lay hold excuse me of that one thing. Because that thing is more glorious to me than any of these things. Now, I want to say to you that there was a time in your life when Jesus and the person of the Holy Spirit was more glorious to you than anything else, for you made a decision to devote your entire life to Him. When I married Helen... My mother gave me a silver ice bucket. It was sparkly. It was beautiful. But we stuck it in the back of a cupboard. And if I were to show you that silver ice bucket now, 16 years on, you'd say, Silver? Really? Because over time it's tarnished and it's perished. And it's weathered because it wasn't attended to. It wasn't polished. It wasn't kept in high esteem. It wasn't valued. And that which to us once was glorious and beautiful, that which we felt passionate about, because we, we grew in it and there was life and it was fulfilling and there was joy in the sacrifice and there was such rich fulfillment in, in this beautiful new relationship with Jesus and the place He brought me to and the people I got to run with and walk with. It was excitement and fulfillment. But along the way, I just got used to the, normal, the normalcy of what this all looks like. And along the way, I got caught in the tradition and I got caught in the rhythms and, and the flow and I actually just stopped polishing. I stopped going for more. I stopped valuing and truly appreciating what it really was. The catalyst to change, folks, is dissatisfaction with my current condition. It's a dissatisfaction with what I have. It's, it's looking at that which once was beautiful and precious in me and saying, it's not beautiful and precious anymore. Something's happened along the way. And this is the only thing that can shift us out of our complacency and apathy. We need to have a realization of something far better. Are you happy Doing what you're doing, going through the motions and getting the same results you've been getting possibly for years? Are you happy with the state of your relationship with God, with your level of obedience to his unctions and his promptings? Do you want to grow in your knowledge of God? I think the many excuses we make reveal to us that we either haven't truly found the pearl of great price, in other words, we've believed some warped variant of the gospel, or we don't recognize that the pearl is worthy of the price it demands. Sobering thoughts, aren't they? But they confront us this morning. You see, there is a false gospel preached today that is focused entirely on your well-being, but that demands nothing for you, from you. In fact, did you know that today, here on earth, there is a place where all of your provision is taken care of, all of your security is taken care of, your health Optional educational advancement is taken care of. Your physical well being is seen to. Your mental well being is seen to. Everything you need is catered for, and the cost is entirely covered by somebody else. Do you know what that place is called? Prison. Many are imprisoned by an impotent version of the gospel which focuses entirely on personal well-being without making any demands of us. Why do I say they're imprisoned by that? Because this kind of thinking leaves us captive to a life of powerlessness, of ineffectiveness, and of unfruitfulness. This is the life of complacency and apathy where I am just either the victim or I am just here and everybody else is here to minister to my needs and to take care of me. And we just don't find that message in the Bible. Because when Jesus calls us, yes, He paid a price to meet all our needs. But He also paid that price to set us free from a life of defeat and apathy where we are dependent on those around us. He came to bring us a life where we can make a difference and bear fruit for His kingdom. You may be happy with where you are in your relationship with God. Let me ask you this. Is God happy with where you are in your relationship with Him? Do you believe that the Lord is happy with the fruit that you are producing for His kingdom? Perhaps there's another searching question. Are you willing to be made fruitful? Folks, I want to say that the truth is much of my personal spiritual growth and my ministerial experience, in other words, my experience in serving and ministering to the needs of others has come as a result of being nudged, encouraged, sometimes shoved out of my comfort zone, pushed beyond where I want to go by a loving spiritual father who, wouldn't, who, who could see that you're just stuck, you're playing games, you need to grow, you are ready for the next step. And he would say, go. And you say, no, I'm not ready. I don't, I you're doing it. Will we allow people to do that in our lives? Mark preached a sermon last week, folks. I don't know if you can believe it, I think he's still getting to grips. It's powerful stuff. While I was away camping with my family, it's lovely to be away and you're in nature and you get up early in the morning and you just spend some time alone and it's beautiful sitting beside a river, watching it go by praying, waiting on the Lord. I was considering some of these questions concerning my own life. I've been doing this for a long time, 18 years this year. It's my 19th year in serving in this house full-time. It's a long time, 19 years. It's a lifetime for some. And I was considering some of these questions. I thought back to an earlier time in my life when all that I wanted to do, when I first came here and I began serving in the worship team, how many of you were here in those days when the worship team was still down here on the side? Do any of you still remember that? Joan does. Pulpit was up there. Worship team was down there to the side. We used to worship from there in the mornings. And Pastor Andreas, just Michael served there. Can you help me? And all that I wanted to do, I was just so passionate. All I wanted to do was to bring glory to God and to be used by Him for the benefit of others. That's all I wanted. And life was simpler for me back then. Let's be honest. I didn't have a wife or children or anything to be concerned about. Bible school was on. So Monday night, I was here at Bible school. Tuesday night, I was at band practice. Wednesday night, I was at home group. Thursday night, I was at Bible school. Saturday morning, I was here at prayer meeting. Sunday morning, I was here at the church. Sunday evening, I was in the intercessories prayer meeting and none of it was a burden. Some of you are getting scared now, that kind of level. So I just want to say, this is what we're going to be doing this year. No. What, the point that I'm making is that none of that was a burden. I, I was growing. I was excited. I was hungry for the things of God. I was so happy to serve in the worship team. I was delighted to be in the Bible school. And listen, you need to understand, in those days, we used to record all the messages. We used to meet down there in that room, and... There were no MP3 recorders in those days, folks. And our tape recorder was upstairs over there. And so Pastor Andreas would say, right, Michael, press record, and I have to run up the stairs and press record and run down the stairs for the lesson. All right, now we've got to stop. And I'd run upstairs and stop and then come down for the break and then run upstairs. It was hard work. But it was so exciting to be part of growing in my faith, growing in the Lord I remember as I took over leading the worship team and began to do that for, for a while, I had one heart's cry, one desire. Because you may have noticed there's part of me that likes to show off a little. Have you noticed that? No, of course you haven't. And there was one thing I said, God, if I'm ever going to be known for anything, I just want to be known as somebody that could lead people into your presence, to bring people to you. Because there are things that God can do in your life and my life that you and I cannot do. And that God doesn't expect us to do. But all He calls us to be is that light. That like a light that draws moths, A light that draws people to Him. To bring them into His presence with our prayers. To bring them into His presence with our worship. To bring them into His presence through an invitation or through the things that we share with them. I was excited. I was passionate. I was a little scared. But I felt useful. I had the sense that I was really making a difference into the lives of other people. Something was happening and I was being used and I was actively serving God and actively trying to bring glory to Him. The big question is, do I still feel the same way? That's the big question. And this is what I was pondering as I was sitting by the river. Because, you know, you can do this kind of stuff. You do it for 19 years, you develop some habits, you develop some structures, you develop some ways of doing things, and you could just rinse and repeat. You can just do the same thing over and over and over. Is there passion in me, God? Is there still a real fire and a delight Have I been sidetracked and distracted? Have I been laid down or carrying weights and things that are keeping me from this? What about you? How are you feeling? Do you remember those early days when you were excited about the things of God? Maybe you weren't back then. I'm telling you, God wants to make you excited about them now. What was it like when you first came to Jesus or when you first joined a spiritual family where you grew and were excited Was there a time that you can remember being so passionate about God that you were willing to do anything for Him? Go anywhere for Him. Doesn't matter what people may say. Didn't matter the cost. Does that fire still burn in your heart or have you become satisfied? Satisfied. I'm saved. I've got some gifts. I'm doing some things. I'm satisfied. Or is there a sense in what I'm sharing with you this morning that you sense in your heart the Lord is saying, I don't want you to be satisfied because I am not. I've got so much more in store for you. You've agreed with me on that one. But do you really want it? Has that is my vision for your life, is my plan for your fruitfulness a pearl of great price in your eyes? That you are willing to lay down whatever it takes in order to attain it? Or do you not fully appreciate the plan that I have for you? John 17, verse 4, Jesus, in His prayer, says, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. I love that verse of Scripture because the realization is that the only way I can glorify God is by finishing the work that He has given me to do. And we need to understand that Jesus said these words before He had gone to the cross. He hadn't been crucified yet. This is not post-resurrection. I've lived who you've called me to be. I have demonstrated to the world what you are like. I've glorified you. But as I consider this, I'm confronted with the realization that the only life that can glorify God is one that is marked by His presence. Amen? By His presence. Not my good works, not my great initiatives, not the next program, not the next task that I can muster up, the thing that glorifies God in my life is that which comes out of the overflow of that intimate relationship with Him. It's not that we are able to glorify God through, self-evident, through self-effort. It is the evidence of the work that God has done in us, becoming evident through us, that brings glory to Him. And so here's the question, is God speaking to your heart this morning about your level of satisfaction, about perhaps your level of complacency, the sacrifices you've been willing to make, the convenience within which serving God needs to fall in order for it to be a viable option in your life? Are you satisfied there? Or are you willing this morning to say, Lord, okay, I hear you. I cannot fit you into my box of convenience. I cannot fit you into my zone where I feel comfortable or that I've got a handle on this. You are wanting far, far more. You see, all God asks of us is for our sincere willingness, a deep desire to bring Him glory and our yieldedness to whatever means He chooses to glorify Himself through our lives. And folks, sometimes that may be through generosity. Sometimes that may be through works of service. Sometimes that may be through pain or suffering. Sometimes that may be giving up my rights. It may look different for each one of us. Sometimes that may be me holding on to control and being willing to relinquish that control. But Jesus said this, John 15, verses 1 to 8, we know this well, I am the true grapevine and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and He prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. So I want to say to you this morning, if you're not producing fruit, the Bible is very clear. God wants believers who are producing fruit. The fruit is the evidence of our intimacy with Him. But if you are producing fruit, folks, here's the realization. God wants to prune for more fruitfulness. You thought you were okay. No, God wants to prune for more fruitfulness because He desires more fruit. You have already been pruned, He said to His disciples, and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in Me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot bear fruit if it is severed from the vine and you can, and cannot be fruitful unless you remain in Me. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples, and this brings great glory to my Father. And I'm thinking these things through, and I'm meditating through these things, and I'm saying, God, I want to live a life of meaning and significance in your kingdom because I only get this one. I only get this one shot at it. I want to live a life that is meaningful and brings glory to you. And the Scripture is quite clear that the only way for me to do that To bear fruit. Fruit that comes not through striving, but fruit that comes through yielding to the sap, to the life, and the Holy Spirit of Jesus at work within me. What God is calling is for you and I to come back into His presence, to become excited and passionate again about Him, about this glorious and wonderful salvation that He has given us. He is calling us to say, I realize I've become so satisfied with what I've got that I do not even recognize what I once had or, what that, or that which lies before me. I believe that You have so much more for me, God, and I want to enter into it. He's calling us to fruitfulness that brings Him glory. And it is time for pruning away and letting go of that which is limiting our fruitfulness. That could be habits. That could be pastimes or hobbies that could be attitudes, that could be burdens. As I was preparing this, uh, even in this week through my meditations, I was reminded of Hebrews chapter 12, which follows on from Hebrews chapter 11, which is no great revelation to you. But Hebrews chapter 11 is the hall of fame of faith. It's all of these wonderful people who've done amazing things for God, in other words, lived lives, lived lives of abundant fruitfulness for the purposes of God and His kingdom. And looking back on that chapter, the writer goes on to say, Now, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, in other words, they've witnessed our faith, we've witnessed their faith in God, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Not the race I've chosen or the path that I've deemed best, but the race that God has set before me. And we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who both initiates and perfects our faith. Something that came up in our testimonies last year, something that's come up even at the beginning of this year is that 2023 was a rough year for many. Maybe not for all, but for many. It was a tough year. Some of us are carrying weights that are keeping us from moving forward. As a result of what we've been through, as a result of what we've experienced, these weights may be disappointment. Pain, unforgiveness, maybe unrealized expectations, disappointment, or burdens that we're carrying that were never given to us by God. And I think the Lord is saying to you this morning, lay them all down for this one pearl of great price, a life of fruitfulness and significance in the kingdom. Are you willing to put those things away and forget about them? Are you willing to surrender them to the Lord? Are you willing to say, Lord, have your way in them? Do as you see fit. i let go. Do you want to live a life that glorifies Jesus? I'm sure we'd all say, yes, I do. In my heart of hearts, I do. But that mental realization was once a burning flame of passion which drove your every day. And the Lord is saying, I want to breathe on that flame. Because the mental assent that, okay, I need to change some things, but nothing ever changes, means that nothing ever changes and we stay stuck in our ruts doing the same things. Are you passionate about being useful to God and His kingdom? And are you willing to let go of the comfort that is holding you back from the fruitfulness that God has in you? The last message I delivered last year had to do with clay pots had to do with vessels in whom and in which uh, 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 Paul says, "This, this wonderful glory, this hidden mystery in vessels or jars of clay. There's a wonderful expectation on your life. And yes, God does have a wonderful plan and purpose for you. It's beyond what you're experiencing now, though. And I want you to realize this morning, you're not waiting on God to do something. God is waiting on you and me to acknowledge this and to say, Father, I'm coming. I've had enough and of where I've been. I am willing to allow you to to do something new in me. I'm willing to allow you to bring me out of my comfort zone. Why? Because I trust you. I love the words of the last song we sang, the little pre-chorus which says, So I yield to you and to your careful hand. When I trust you, I don't need to understand. What God is asking from you this morning is not that you understand everything that's going to be required. You're not necessarily going to understand every step of the way. The question is, have you made the predetermined decision to say, yes, Lord, I will follow? Is there a willingness and a yieldedness that is happening in your heart now by the Spirit of God as I've shared this message to say, I have become distracted. I have become caught up in all the things of life. I have become satisfied with God in His place and everything else that's going on. And I recognize it. And I recognize that something needs to change. Priorities need to shift. And I need to come closer to Jesus so that He can show me how to get out of this place. That's you this morning. I want you to stand. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.